morning everybody and um, welcome to Strategy Cafe. My name is Nick Mayhew and I'm Managing Director here at Alembic. Just going to take a moment while we wait for a few more people to log in and um, quite nice at the start of a session like this uh, just to pause and take a moment um, to arrive. Uh, and I always think a nice way to do that is to do that with some breathing. So don't feel like you have to follow me, but I'm going to just take three breaths. A um, good way to go is a quick breath in and then a slow breath out because it stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system when you breathe out. So I'm just going to do that for three breaths. Feel free to join in. Welcome, welcome everybody to Strategy Cafe. So just whatever's been happening to you this morning, however you've been experiencing things up until this moment, let's just let that go. Um, as you switch in, just take a moment to arrive with your full attention to this place, this discussion, and just take a moment to bring to mind what you want from today's session. And we found a really good way to start an online meeting is just also just to ask everyone in the group to think about an intention that they want to hold for the meeting ahead. So think about a positive intention for the meeting ahead. Okay, hi everybody, let's get going. So uh, today's session is going to be about high-performing virtual teams. Um, in a moment, I'm just going to introduce the team to you. Um, we did a leader survey earlier on in the process, and I've got some highlights from that just to walk through. Then I'm going to bring all of the past four sessions together for you, give you a bit of a tools framework. Then Matt's going to be talking about um, uh, the early phase of creating teams. Rosanna's going to be taking you through some of the critical central phases. And towards the back of the seminar, I'm going to be finishing up with looking at the, some of the key aspects of high performance. Uh, especially in this virtual environment, a hybrid environment we're all, we're all uh, coming into. Um, session should finish at 9.15. I just want to draw your attention to the questions area. Uh, depending on which device you've logged in on, you should have a little control panel somewhere with various different buttons. And one of those will be questions. There isn't a chat function. So use the questions area as a chat function. Um, Put your questions in. You can even put comments in. Um, if you wanted just to say something, that's absolutely fine. And I'm going to be monitoring that throughout the webinar and we'll pick them up. So find your questions area just as I get going. And maybe you can just say hi to me there and feel brave, just pile in. I'm quite interested to hear everyone's opinions because you've all got different experiences of this and you know we're not the oracles of truth on this on this matter. So hope you enjoyed the webinar and look forward to um, hearing your questions. So uh, let's introduce everybody. Um, Rosanna, hi. Yeah. Good morning. Hi, Nick. Good morning, everybody. Um, um, so my name is Rosanna. 
Um, I am a facilitator at Alembic. Um, I suppose my focus is on strategic change and how do leaders support that strategic change. So uh, lots of difficult conversations at leadership level, but really supporting clients through those change and strategic change and leadership change as well. So that's what me. Uh, morning, everyone. I'm Matt, one of uh, the strategy facilitators and client managers at Alembic. Uh, similar to Rosanna, I help leaders from all sectors with some of their most difficult challenges, and that could be across many things. And uh, my background is in healthcare. Um, great. It's lovely to have both of you on. I've really enjoyed doing our sessions together this last couple of months, um, and uh, look forward to doing more of these. I think they're super. Uh, great fun working together on them. Um, also, hello uh, to Wayne, hello to Tony. Very well done for being brave enough and piling into the questions area and saying hi. And just encourage everyone else to do the same. It's lovely to see you all online this morning. Uh, so let's just get kicked off with a bit of a feedback from our leader survey. We asked a variety of questions. We haven't given you all of the responses here, but we're going to send that round uh, with a bit more analysis. Just picked out sort of four key points here. So uh, I'll let you read it um, and just sort of pick them out. Um, I guess the top point there is just really indicating what we've seen from the news. And our leader survey uh, uh, has said uh, the same, uh, that the vast majority uh, of you out there are thinking about um, a, you know, a, um, a hybrid model, so part home and part office. I'm just trying to work that out now. Um, only 11% have said they're going to have everyone back in the office and 4% um, saying you know, everyone's going to stay at home. So that hybrid model, um, mixed online and mixed in the office is going to be the way forward. And even if you are one of the, the ones that are going to go all back or all home, you know, you're going to be working with people who are hybrid. So uh, you need to tackle hybrid regardless. Biggest worries, um, loss of culture, anxiety, isolation, biggest gains, time saving. Um, again, well-being. So quite interesting that point that anxiety, isolation and well-being are on sort of the you know, the loss and the gain section, I guess that just tells us that, you know, everyone is different and for every step forward for somebody, it's maybe a step back for somebody else. And that's kind of a, a nice point coming out of this. Um, and then just at the bottom, you know, the, it's a quite a classic stat, but a bit of a shocking stat. You know, 48% of people who responded said their teams, they felt their teams were somewhat motivated. Um, and another 15% said their teams were, you know, emotionally feeling neutral about the future. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, so it doesn't sound like high performing. Yeah, and I just wanted to come to Rosanna on this because you had a sort of great question uh, to ask about coming back. Yeah, um, I was really interested in looking at the stats around, well, the biggest worries with flexible working. So we can see there it's 37% is the loss of culture. Um, and then the gain, um, you know, one of the gains being flexible working is around you know the time saving that we are getting from not commuting um and so it's just an interesting are we saving time at the cost of you know the you know cultural richness you know what are we sacrificing so we're gaining time but you know for what and how does that really impact the culture and I think that's just sort of a comparable stat which may sort of put it the put the reality out there is you know and is that true is that right and is that what our listeners today are feeling and sensing 
a great question. And I think one of the things I'd ask everyone to do is just sort of hold some of these questions in mind in your leadership um, around this, because I'm not sure we're going to resolve them straight away, but they do need thinking through. Um, I'm just going to call out to Richard Birch and say morning to you too, so nice to see you online here. So uh, let's just uh, get to the background quickly and I need to give you some framing tools and then I'm going to hand over to Matt. Uh, so um, we've covered how to lead after the pandemic um, and uh, built on some work I did with the London Chamber of Commerce and Industry on this, just starting to reflect on what had gone well, what had gone badly and picking out sort of the best practice that we'd experienced over the last year and starting to talk about that. We then felt there was a really strong impact on culture and partly that was to do with disruption to the normal methods of communication in place. And so that second session was really around that and trying to understand how to cope with the disruption. And then last time around, we talked about brands and identity, this you know, deeper sense of who we are and how for many people, you know, the, uh, a lot of people are fine, but for, for many people, the, the crisis has created a sort of a bit of an existential shift. So maybe their identity was with the team, but not necessarily with the work or with the business. Uh, and a challenge like this is enough to say, well, actually now I've lost even my, my contact with my colleagues. I don't want to do this anymore. And I've definitely seen that people choosing to leave. And so how do we reattach uh, to people to our brands and our purpose? And today we're going to bring all that together and think about how do we take that even further and you know step up into the idea of high performing teams. So I'm not going to labor these two tools. Um, you can come back and look at them later. Um, pile in with your questions and we'll pick them up. I'm just going to talk about two and then we'll kick off. So this one is a great tool. It's called Coaching Matrix. So on the X index, you've got skill level, low to high. And on the Y index, you've got enthusiasm, low to high. Uh, and then, you know, a four box matrix, which kind of gives you a categorization of how to lead for people who are presenting with those different mixes. So someone who is high skill, but low enthusiasm, we need the energy back up and the consistency back up. So the trick is to motivate. If we have someone who's low skill, low enthusiasm, then you've got to be much closer until you get them into the right box. And we really want to push them up more into this, um, you know, high enthusiasm space. Just a quick comment that supervision is something that people have found incredibly difficult as managers uh, during the crisis because you've lost that visibility and you can't see necessarily. So the simple adaption to make here is to, you know, with people who you feel are in this space is just to spend more time on calls with them, be closer to their work, check their work, screen check it, talk to them a little bit more. And you just have to adapt to that, which is, you know, replacing your, your walking the floor kind of approach from before. People who are high enthusiasm, and low skill, you know, they, uh, they the box here is about learning, about teaching, so it's instructs. And these days, people should be self-orientated around that. So if they haven't already, you know, tackled all of the online learning resources that are freely available, then that's a question mark. And what we're really talking about today is how do we get both people and teams into this automatic memory box around the core mission of the business? So that's natural and inherent and their enthusiasm is high, and so as teams, they can be high performing. Um, and then just to pull this together with the forming, storming, norming and performing um, tool, which is a great tool, a lovely simple tool. Um, we're gonna talk through this in detail, so I won't go through it now, um, but just to note the stages are a way of referencing the natural way our neurology 
is created. So one way I like to put this is that, you know, as a baby, uh, you don't get to learn to walk, to climb trees, to run a race, to score a goal, to drive a car without metaphorically skinning your knees. We all learn by falling over and that's how our neurology works. And being in a team is no different. We have to bump into each other, make mistakes, be emotionally and socially mature enough to challenge that and to get over it in order to pass through into the high performing stage. So my key point here is there's no shortcut that avoids the emotion. Uh, and uh, there's also no such thing as an unemotional human being. So you just need to accept that and it's really about channeling the energy. And on that point, I'm gonna hand over to Matt, he's gonna take us through performing phase. Thank you, Nick. Um, now, I'm sure many of you will be at least vaguely familiar with the forming, storming, norming, performing model. Um, and it's a great framework to use when looking at team dynamics, um, particularly developing through teams, formation and working life. Uh, as Nick has alluded to, you don't just throw a group of people together and expect perfect cooperation and output from day one. Um, if that's something you have been doing, you're probably finding your working life quite hard. Um, in the first stage of forming, which usually occurs naturally um, in all team environments, um, where individuals are getting to know each other and trying to figure out uh, who does what, uh, you can probably all picture in your mind the slight awkwardness of joining a new team. Um, well, that's the forming stage we're talking about here. While it does happen by itself, uh, this process is not always smooth or quick. Um, now, the reason this is of particular interest now is the natural way we form groups has changed for many people with a move to a virtual team environment. Um, and while I know there are challenges for all teams online, forming new team dynamics virtually is not something everybody's been faced with before. I suspect much of the difficulty comes from the initial discomfort and difficulty reading people being so much harder online. Um, so people are generally less comfortable for longer. So this makes it hard to build up the sort of relationship equity you need, um, which is something which is really important to have when you're trying to have difficult conversations and eventually move through this first phase into the storming phase. Um, so if you are in a team or if you put together a team, try to take some time to consider the extra layer of difficulty which could be involved in high performing groups. Um, in particular, probably expect teams to be a little longer developing dynamics and interpersonal relationships. Uh, and with this in mind, you might want to make a little extra effort to connect with people, or if you're part of a new virtual team or you've um, put one together, try and work in some team building. Um, Nick and Rosanna, I'm really interested to hear about any good ideas you might have come across for deepening relationships online over the last year. Yeah, um, I suppose for me, it's encouraging people to be as normal as possible. Um, and I think for those who are listening that know me, you probably seem as quite a, a people person and you know person centric. And I think th therefore maybe that comes more easily to me. Um, but I think just focusing on how people are rather than what they are doing. I think that comes back to that supervision point that Nick was talking about as well, you know, just actually first sort of just um, observing and asking. Um, 
And I think there was a bit more of an effort that, um, as you say, Matt, that we need to do. But, you know, having one to ones with people, if you just notice something and just saying, have you got 10 minutes like you would do? Um, maybe you would go out the office and get a coffee. We have to sort of adapt and do things slightly differently. Um, maybe group sessions. I know some clients are doing more um, company wide sort of catch ups. I've got, um, you know, uh, CEOs doing like videos. It's just any opportunity to help people feel heard and seen and um, is really important. But I also recognise that for some people, just having like a virtual coffee just feels really strange, really uncomfortable. And I think um, that's more difficult, I think. So trying different ways to help people feel heard, you know, that it won't be a one size fits all. Um, and for me, um, uh, I think I think uh, you know organisations have kind of clocked this point and adapted pretty hard to people arriving, um, you know, who've never met anyone. Um, we've obviously all seen that this year, um, and like maybe allocating someone to um, to really make sure that they're connecting and bringing them in, giving them that uh, that introduction. And then for me personally, I, you know, I've, uh, I've really just enjoyed um, trying to find ways to pretend to be doing what I used to be doing. So, for example, just calling somebody out for a virtual breakfast, making sure we both cook food together and, you know, chat, chat across the screen like we would have done in a, in a coffee shop with coffee, tea um, and whatever the breakfast of choice du jour is. And that's been great fun. I think that they're both really great points. Um... There is definitely an extra element of effort to slide in extra social interaction that was there naturally before and and just needs a little bit of pushing now um, but both of those are really really good points i love the jumping on for a breakfast with somebody that's something i definitely need to try um, next slide please uh, something which i think is really worth considering is that everyone's going to have a different experience of remote working and interactions with their colleagues. I mean, Nick touched on at the start. Um, <clears throat> in fact, in the conversation we had with Lembic is a great example. So in the run up to this webinar, there were many differing opinions. Uh, I don't think any one of the team all had the same experiences or feelings about working together online, which is something we were not necessarily expecting to find in our discussions. Uh, we discussed a whole host of personality traits and working preferences, uh, but never completely settled on one factor which significantly altered online team dynamics exclusively. Uh, we certainly could agree, however, that there were a lot of things which combined and contributed in a variety of different ways. So that's one thing I'd be really interested to hear others take on as well. So please do post in the comments or question section. Um, after saying that, there is probably one category of person who is very likely uh, to find forming teams more difficult, and that's going to be new members of staff. Um, so with much of the social cues and body language already missing from the online team environment, new starters are going to be further hampered by not knowing all of the nuances and behavior and preferences between team members. Um, I think this makes it really important for businesses to have a strategy for new starters, which goes beyond the normal induction program. So it's going to be a really important point just to keep an eye on new starters and put a bit of extra effort into thinking um, about how they might be introducing themselves to new people, to the existing people and building new relationships. 
Uh, next slide, please. Another point which has been much discussed, uh, particularly uh, to Lembic, is on optimum team size, um, which research indicates is around 15 to 30 people, uh, productivity growing with scale, but with the potential to drop off as politics emerge in larger groups. Um, how can you maintain high productivity levels in larger teams, and how can leaders keep their finger to the pulse of larger teams remotely? where they might usually uh, walk the floor, for example. I know something loads of leaders like to do in their organizations to keep their fingers to the pulse. Um, a place we might potentially look to understand some of these points better are established uh, large organizations that have been working in a virtual or hybrid environment for many years. Uh, some of the larger consulting groups immediately come to mind. Um, what lessons do you think we can learn from businesses that have got experience in this space? Uh, particularly with understanding team dynamics um, of people who have not met in person before. Uh, again, I'd be really interested to hear comments in the question section, particularly if there's anybody who's working in one of those businesses. Um, Rosanna, uh, where do you think conflict is, is coming from in relation to this, just to move into the, um, into the uh, storming phase? Oh, Nick, question. Yeah, there's some questions coming in on that. I thought we could just pick them up quickly. Um, so, um, David Hill said, hello, David, uh, very small touches that can be most impactful. For example, a small surprise or compliment can be a massive boost and affect perceptions, but don't overdo it as too many compliments can dilute the value. So less is more. That's just a nice point. Um, and I like the idea of it being a little bit random. I think there's some really good psychology on that that, uh, that shows that sort of slightly random flow um compliment is a, is a great way to go with the surprise factor um and then michael shapiro morning michael uh, nice to see you online um my team has doubled this in size in the last year and i haven't met most of them so i'm really encouraging them to come into the city office as we all want to meet each other and they just need that extra push um and uh, he says i'm on uh, off into the city after this and on the basis i survived the experience how can i get them over the hurdle of coming in which is what they want and we're organizing a firm-wide social at the end of the month and some form of team event, any ideas? Maybe we can kind of just think about that and include it in our narrative as we, as we move on. I'm just gonna to drop to the next slide if that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think they're both really interesting points. I suppose what we're seeing is um, we're becoming less present to work relationships with this sort of screen. Um, you know, relationship that we're having. Um, we can flitter from meeting to meeting, and you know that's a click of a button. Um, and so you don't, you're not even standing up. Um, you can you can just go into the next meeting, and so there's no clearing of that previous meeting before you're going into the meeting. There's also an incredible amount of distractions that we have. Everything is on notifications. Um, we were just talking about how many, how many screens and devices we, we had. Um, you know, and things are just lighting up. And we also have the distractions of home for people that are home working still. It's just, you're there. And you know, some people are better at managing that, that than others. And because of those two things, um you know it's harder to connect with people um you know the lack of the chitter chatter and you know um you know how's your breakfast and you know those sort of peripheral conversations that you have about your commute which we've spoken about in previous webinars but 
it's that sense of the whole person that you're speaking to makes it harder to connect with that person because you're just engaging with them on a on a more narrow dynamic and that lack of then body language makes it just harder to read the person <coughs> excuse me and pick up on those triggers so um, you might notice a shift in body language is that because they are distracted or is that because they've become upset or triggered by something it's really difficult to know um, and so it's just um, harder to communicate and read each other's signals um, and also our energy and emotions are harder to manage so um, it might be easier just to stonewall ignore people ignore the conflict ignore the tension because I can just sit here and be silent and there's a bit less social awkwardness with that I can turn my screen off um, and you know so on one hand maybe it's actually just easier to ignore the difficult conversation um, so one question is you know is that easier to avoid problems you know working online um, or um, you know are your tensions more likely to rise because actually your inhibitions are lower because of that lack of sort of social contacts so actually your tensions rise more quickly and you're more sensitive to the atmosphere are you more likely to react respond and so i think these are just the ripe conditions to find the team dynamics difficult so this is you know right conditions for the storming phase um i just wondered i mean nick we were talking about um, some experiences that you had maybe it would be good to share those yeah i mean it's not particularly pandemic related because i was chairing in a in a hybrid environment um before all of this and um but it was around the time the pandemic started and so tensions were very high and um, we were working in a hybrid, so we had a group in uh, board, a group in Paris office, a group in New York office, and suddenly uh, we noticed that the screen share from New York had uh, muted, and uh, they were animatedly involved in um, a very emotional conversation on their side of the Atlantic, right in the middle of the board meeting in a different discussion. It was terrible um, discipline and protocol. Um, and um, you know the group in London just sort of gradually stopped and watched this unfolding and then they came back on and said nothing so it created that sort of real sense of emotional awkwardness it, you know no, no, no one knew what had been going on so people were making all sorts of assumptions and it took it took a few days to clear it all up afterwards just very bad protocol and very bad discipline and I think uh, one of the things we all learned very early on is to be very careful about how we manage arrival um, and how we manage the way we are impacting other people's emotions in this environment and how easy it is to do that. Yeah, difficult one. Yeah, for sure. And I think as we as we move on, it's about becoming um, you know more present to those work relationships. You know, how do we make it easier to connect with people? Um, how do we make it easier to communicate and read each other's signals? Um, you know, how do we make it easier to manage? Um, and I think so. Presence, connection, communication, managing energy—you know, your own and others ultimately sort of come together to think okay well how are we actually building trust which is that your sort of high skill high enthusiasm square in you know the first matrix you showed nick and i think these are really important soft skills you know the soft skills of online and hybrid environments um do you just want to flick to the next slide 
Oh, that's what I just said. So I think, you know, the transition is just to actually, rather than less present, it's more present. But actually, if you move on again, Nick, you know, how do we actually do that? How do we get good at resolving conflict online if you've got somebody who's like up for it and has flipped and then somebody who's just stonewalling? You know, how, how do you actually chair that meeting? How do you manage that conversation? So to be able to have those more crucial conversations and just a point here that um, crucial conversations is leadership. Um, and you're ha we're having to have these conversations all the time. The more you can practice that skill with your teams, you're building that future capability um, and it's really important. So we should just tackle it head on. So the brave baby trying to walk just picks themselves up and tries again. So it's about trying it and having that courage to, to do that. But just some practical things here. So um talking about energy with everybody um you know what's actually going to help them how are they turning up maybe maybe we want to do some clearing of energy nick started today's webinar with um some breathing and um maybe you found that um really powerful just to take that moment um maybe you felt a difference before and after there are um you know having a conversation about how it might get emotional how do we allow those and breaks are a really good way of just acknowledging feelings acknowledging that people might need a break um, and allowing that I think the other thing is around you know how do you uh, structure and chair these meetings um, because they are um, difficult to run um, you've got the people speaking over each other um, when you're around a table you can sort of sense when somebody's about to say something um, that is so hard online to know who wants to say what and you know then it's hands up and then it's a race through the order and you sort of lose a bit of um, conversational flow um, so I think where you can anticipate the um, emotional conversations, those storming conversations, actually thinking about having a structure um, and um, also just being patient with that. Um, it's also good just to acknowledge what the issues are. So um, maybe it's a good just upfront discussion of just what they are and how we're going to tackle them. Um, and then also really um, important just to um, manage those interruptions. Um, and then also one of the things that we've been using heavily are, you know, online tools and just really thinking about what sort of meeting do you want? Is it helpful to have just a face to face meeting? Um, is it helpful to have actually cameras off and to work on a document together? We've been using online whiteboards quite a lot that where people are just actually doing stuff together rather than talking at each other. So best practice of using online tools just to sort of match your intention of the meeting. Um, and I think just also just having a conversation and you know leading by example by asking how people are. Um, I think David's point of just sort of complimenting and you know where it's due I think and just asking how people are as well I think you know sometimes you know, we start a meeting how are you I think you know we forget that actually people's emotions change throughout the meeting and sometimes it's helpful to ask throughout as well so I think how do you get good at resolving conflict online? I think it's really just um, making sure you've got good meeting structure, making sure you've got a start process where people are arriving in the in the right way and where that might change throughout the meeting, having uh, tools and techniques just to take a break, 
reset and come back to it because this is about going from that stormy clouds on the left to the you know the sunnier spells but the sun's not out yet you know this is still hard work and that's just getting into norming so you're not acing it yet you're just able to start that conversation I just, I just wondered, um, Matt and Nick, you know, how have you felt about doing some of these things? Do you have any other tips and techniques to sort of, you know, resolve conflict online? Um, is it okay for me to go, Matt? Go for it. Um, yeah, I, I guess I got a question out to everybody. How comfortable do you feel about being courageous and stepping into a more dynamic role when you're leading a meeting or teaching whoever is working with whoever your team leader is going to be your lead, meeting leader is going to be step into that more more dynamic role and um, be prepared to change the activity change the um, approach uh, stop things um, do a little bit of the breathing like Rosanna said I think that can feel very difficult uh, if it's not what you're used to it's not your baseline um, and um, I think it's really important to um, to just acknowledge that and that it might be quite difficult to do it. It might feel a little odd, but what we found, because we do this all the time, is um, when you start stepping into doing that, it becomes comfortable pretty quickly and people really enjoy it and they like that variety as long as you do it in a way that you know, they feel safe with. Um, I get used to it very quickly. So I just wonder about how, whether people find that hard and if they do, have the courage to try and also to work with others to be more dynamic. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, something I think has been particularly great is um, clearing the energy, giving people some space to arrive. It's a similar practice to what we did in person when we were in London more. Um, I think it makes a really huge difference and you never know where people are coming in from. So you can have people arriving with vastly different energy levels. People might be very high anger. There might be people who are um, just completely wiped out and very, very low energy. So I think the, the practice of trying to get people on the same plane is, is fantastic. The more I do it, the more I think I should do this every meeting. And um, the, the slight skill is trying to, to read the room and understand the energy levels. Um, you don't wanna try and bring the energy levels up of a room that are already very high energy or bring energy levels down of a group that are very low energy. Um, so kind of trying to understand what you achieve. But I think Nick's point on, on just giving it a go is a fantastic one. It's not something which comes to mind to everybody to do. But I would absolutely urge people to just give it a go and see how it affects meetings because it's, it's just amazing online. Yeah, I mean, a really simple one is just to get everybody to stand up, shake their arms five seconds and sit back down again um, and um, if anything you might just feel a bit silly and that brings a smile to people's face um, and so it's just about how you get the energy that you're intending. Just really quickly, um, I think the point that I'm trying to make here is that the key um, skills for getting to high performance are around, you know, working through the storming and norming phase, you know, thinking about emotion intelligence, your communication style and manner, uh, your own self-awareness and how you're turning it up, um, emotional regulation, knowing that in yourself, but also learning um, to spot that in others. And then also just practicing those crucial conversations and being courageous with them and that also they, they become that hygiene factor for high performance who um, we have to have that as a base level and we have to be practicing that we might not be perfect but we have to be aware and be practicing that so that's our uh, baseline 
for moving into high performance, which Nick's going to talk to. Okay, thank you very much. I'm just going to transition. Um, and while I do, I just wanted to pick up a couple of points that are coming from our guest today. Um, so um, Richard has Richard Bird has come back with a top tip from the foreign office uh, uh, who are you know an organization that's worked remotely forever uh, or hybrid um, uh, top tip number one remember the person you're talking to is not in a room or in a building or a, or a locality or a set of what the military call atmospherics at the same as you you are experiencing at the moment so remember the person yeah um, which I think is a really nice point. And then David has got uh, some nice suggestions. David Gill, hello, how are you? Um, important to be positive, too much emphasis on missing the chat, e.g. your commute to work. We're very adaptable, and that commute chat will be quickly be replaced by other chats, such as I like Matt's black chat. I wanted to read it out because that was thinking that. Um, we need to be promoting more positives around the changes. Um, 12 months, it'll all set in, uh, settle in, and the chit chat will be can you remember when we used to cope with the old thing of being rammed in on trains, etc. etc. And just a reminder that everyone has different personalities, so it's important to be adaptable and understand everybody's different um, ways of um, tuning into this. Hello, Roberto out there, and hello, Gaynor. Welcome to the session. Uh, we're using the questions area, so feel free just to dive in and say hi or make your points and um, try to pick them up and answer them as we go. We mustn't forget Michael Shapiro's question about how to encourage people at the end. So, um, coming on to high performance, then, you know, what does it look like uh, when you're online? Um, probably invisible, probably can't see it. Um, so maybe what we need to do is think about um, what's the experience uh, and what's the energy and you know what is the outcome uh, that we're looking for here. So I think there's a few things uh, just to sort of touch on as we come into this high performing phase with some elements which are online orientated. Um, and the first one I think is that um, we've talked throughout about uh, the emotion. So you've got the, the, the norming phase, which is generally polite. You've got the forming phase, which is generally polite. So maybe lower emotion. And then you've got the storming phase, which is typically high emotion and can be unregulated. And you've got the performing phase, which is also feels great. So it's high, high emotion, but maybe more positive feelings. Um, we'll come back to that in a second. But in order to get there, um, everybody needs to do that journey to trust and they have to really practice all of the basics, all of the individual chunks. So they need to know their digital environment, they need to feel confident, confident and comfortable with using the different applications. Often in combination is really powerful. When people get into flow in that, it can be a great feeling, especially in a group. Um, and so things like having a clear process mixed share of the applications it's not kind of like homogenous zoom calls clear roles and boundaries so people are not stepping on each other's toes and you know have accidental conflict in the organization just by being unclear about who's accountable for what you know well practiced so getting into that sort of muscle memory that automatic thinking and then really key, key to this is clear shared purpose so you know same aim um and uh, same same goal and everyone working towards the same thing even if that's like you know small chunk like a like an individual project keep it really simple would be my tip um and then you know stay in conscious competence so slow down um check in on mood uh check in on people's focus as a team leader or anyone else who's got that kind of you know, leadership support attribute within the team, you know, just switch on your emotional intelligence. That's about, can I regulate myself? 
do I know when I'm hitting my flip out point, I'm hitting the top top of my tolerance ceiling and I'm about to have a fight flight response, can I do something myself to get myself back down just a little bit lower where the emotion is still there, but I can cope. And then social intelligence, you know, can I spot that in others and do I know how to go and check in with them or create a space in the meeting for them or call out for a space so they can just bring it down a little. And then we're not talking about getting rid of emotions, feeling is really important. It's just trying to avoid that top level ceiling and the flip out point and helping people with that in the group. And so my key point here is, you know, you'll get momentum, you'll get energy, something will go wrong, things happen. And it kind of, you know, it just knocks you off um, your track. So when you lose momentum, just go back to the basics and reset, get back into norming quickly and then move back up the emotional ladder. Rosanna, you had a great point here about the big reset. Yeah, I think, um, I, I, I guess the um, trigger for these sort of conversations were that we've had this pandemic and we've all had to shift. But um, when we talk about team formation and team high performance, you know, this is this is just ongoing. I think the point here that I wanted to make is you might get a new leader, you might get a t new team member, something um, might substantially shift in your in the market, in the business that you're operating in, which means that you have to reset and go back to that forming stage reassess what your objectives are uh, you might have a different team setter team structure team hierarchy um, and actually that using those high performance skills um, back into that forming stage and I think you know just because you're in high performing you're not going to stay there and actually um, you can do everything you can to maintain that but external things might impact that and just being prepared for that so that you can sort of rattle through those um, storming and norming phases quickly to get back into high performing um, and so we often see that with big sort of team shifts big sort of um, objective shifts where there's a reorganization etc um, and just sort of predicting that is is helpful that's a great point thank you and um, um... Just coming on to uh, this, this I think where we've kind of started and hopefully ended is uh, is really about the energy, the emotion. And um, you know what you find is that um, in a lot of organisations, the emotional leadership can be kind of quite consistent, quite flat, and there's kind of a demand for more regulation and less variability. But um, you know, to me, that ignores the nature of us as people. Um, you know, high performance, when you think about it, is, is um, got drama in it. You know, it has the highs and the lows. Now, we all know that we need perspective, and sometimes that means getting into a lower emotional state so that we can sort of think more widely, and you can use body work to do that, and there's various other tips that everyone will have. But that emotion of working together on a clear goal is what gives you that extra 20% bounce in productivity. You know that is just that is it, that is the edge of the team, and so it is in the shared emotion. And it's really important, therefore, you know, as David Gill was saying earlier on, to just be positive and lead the energy. And here, the framework of social intelligence in the group, so that you know you're going to have failure. Um, surely, that is the inherent way that we learn. We have to risk manage to make sure those failures are not, you know, negligent. But nevertheless, failure is natural and, you know, failure is pointing towards success as the cliche goes. So the emotional intelligence of high performing groups is that they pick up quickly, go back to basics quickly and just come back and have another go in the search for victory, I guess. So I would say lead the energy online is just the same as offline. 
go for pace, celebrate your wins, praise the good, even if there was no win. And then online, you just got to think about how you can make different moments together in this online space to celebrate, to recognize, to reward, to notice and to make noticeable. Um, and then, you know, my point here would be about professional storming. So, you know, if you need to go back and um, be fierce about something, you know, you do it in a way, you create the environment where that criticism is taken as constructive, the energy is acceptable because we're all in this together and you move back quickly to sorting it out. So you don't stay in that storming phase, you deal with the issue and then move on. It takes a bit of courage to be in that kind of zone, but um, those are all really important characteristics of high performance. Um, so, there we go. Um, just gonna sum up with some key aspects and then we're just wrapping up towards the end of the seminar. We still have to answer Michael Shapiro's question about encouraging people to come back in. But remember, it's really important that people um, who are gonna hit high performance, you know, you'd expect them to identify with the business. You'd expect them to identify with the purpose of the business with this project, with the point of this project. So that sense of commitment and identification with the task at hand and the environment that you're in, well-practiced, well-rehearsed, work hard to get good together. And in this environment, it means working in that mixed environment of online, offline, and working ways to seamlessly bring the edges together so that they, are, they feel as seamless as they can be. And it takes more practice to do that. It's a, it's a slightly different environment to be in, but it's perfectly doable and everyone can get it. And you just need to spend time teaching that. You've rubbed off the rough edges, so you get on really well, you know each other, and you work well in the virtual environments. And that's absolutely key. Knowing how to spot a low in yourself, in others, knowing how to pick yourself up, how to pick up others. Uh, much of this is automatic memory, you know, um, and then, you know, those core points about just making space for human connection and for the emotional side of things, you know, not to be too hard and too into the mission and the result to remember that soft is also important and there's a balance to find between purpose and mission, you know, where the purpose is around human factor and why we're here uh, for, as people and then the mission is the business factor and the hard edge, the commercial edge, the success or failure part of it. Um, and they're both really important to get things done and also feel great about it. So don't avoid the feelings, allow them and go with them and expect that variation. Ultimately, that's the juice of a good team. Right, um, open to all your questions. Thank you all very much for staying. Um, been lovely to see you all. Next time round, mark your diary, 27th of May. I'm going to be in discussion with a wonderful chap called Matt Meyer, CEO at Taylor Vinters. And we're going to be talking about um, whether strategy is uh, too rigid, really. So how can strategy keep pace with the emerging identity of a modern, fast-moving, high-quality services firm? Um, Matt's been 10 years plus as CEO of a big technology-focused law firm, and it should be a super interesting session. So, so book in. It should be open to you now and um, love to see you for the next one. Um, so questions. Um, have you guys got thoughts for Michael on how he can get his team back in? Yeah, I've got, I've got some thoughts. I mean, it's interesting because um, you might have seen the news this morning that um, I think the sort of 50 biggest employers have said that we're going to not have um, full-time working. So uh, most, most employers are going for um, this hybrid um, working environment 
Um, so I suppose the question generally, Michael, is around sort of what's the message coming from and, you know, that clarity of we're going to be hybrid and what does that mean? So is that two to three days a week? So I think that's really important to say, like, what's the expectation and what's the intention and that clarity of message. But then I think, you know, you look at the person by person um, situation, I think you're going to have early adopters who are wanting to come in straight away and then there'll be sort of the laggards which are going to have questions, you know, they might not know what it's going to look like, feel like there'll be some anxieties there, there's different personal circumstances. So, um, you know, I think to expect that bell curve of um, adoption of people coming in, um, I think we are, I think we will uh, find a sort of new norm and I don't think you know the next six months is going we're going to get there I think it's going to be very lumpy um, and in terms of who's going into the office and hard to predict but I think over time we will just sort of slowly trickle back to the office and so I think just people might need more time if there's a helpful clarity of message from the company saying this is what we're expecting and this is why that might encourage it um, and then for those who have worries just to have those conversations um, they might just need to see it look at it um, when it's quiet um, beforehand rather than going into what might feel like a busy office and that feels uncomfortable so um, trying trying to work out what a good solution might be for that individual as well yeah, I agree with that. I think purpose is really important for people to understand uh, why you're bringing people back together into the office environment. It can be difficult for people that have been apart so long. Um, and also letting people to an extent move at their, their own pace, as Rosanna said, obviously everybody's different. There could be some major anxieties um, as part of the team, uh, but it's also quite important, I think, to get over that first bump, get people back to the office, get them to do it once if you've got a good purpose for getting everybody back together and just re-establish that pathway and help people get over their anxieties and there might be a bit of work to do but once you've done it once and you've established a, a sort of new um a new path back to work and hopefully things will move a bit more smoothly from there yeah, I think they're great points and um, it's it was just to add to it, it's really important to make sure that the environment feels safe and you're doing the right things. Pandemic's definitely not over. Um, there's plenty of resources out there for us all to be using. We should just be responsible um, and use them and make sure that they're available for people. So uh, using all of the testing and, um, you know, while it's appropriate, making sure we still have social distancing and all the cleanliness and all that kind of stuff. I think that's important. And the other thing I would say, Michael, is um, remember the point about everyone being different um it does do require a different level of flexibility in this kind of situation probably will forever as we go forward with this sort of hybrid approach there'll be different issues to, to, to tackle but why not ask people about what they're afraid of um but also what would motivate them you know what what would excite them um and what we think excites other people often isn't what they're excited about and Sometimes it's important just to take a moment just to hear, just to hear them and let them talk. And actually, sometimes you know, literally just talking things out, people will resolve in their own minds that it's not a problem for them anymore. So taking a moment and peacefully just listening to somebody can be a real gift and really help with any anxieties they've got. Um, Bryony, um, our resident HR specialist, says um, if people get proper notice and clarity, she agrees. <clears throat> Excuse me again. 
<clears throat> their anxieties will be better managed. Um, and I think I mis, uh, misrepresented the Foreign Office tip earlier, so I'm going to try and clarify it. I think the meaning of this is uh, not to think that the person you're speaking to is having the same experience as you are, where you are and what's happening to you, and to recognise that they're in a very different, complete space and to take a moment to tune in to them and their environment rather than assuming they know about you and your environment, which I think is a really good point. I'm sorry I mangled that earlier. <laughs> Richard says, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> High performing team. Um, Michael Shapiro says, public transport is the main fear. Great answers from all three of us. Thank you. Hmm. I, I wonder if any of you have got any tips for public transport. We've certainly been experiencing that. I think in the big metro cities, it's, a, it's still an issue for folk. Mm. Not sure anyone's resolved it. Yeah, I've got my bike. Walking more. Yeah, avoid avoid where you can. Think outside the box. I know we've, we've done a bit of that at Lembeck. But there is just, unfortunately, for some people, it is so... Um, inconvenient to avoid public transport and it's just not doable long term. So it's a, an address the issue at the route rather than avoid public transport, I think, personally. Wayne, Wayne asks, what is the person avoiding and then references Jung, which I assume he means Carl uh, Gustav Jung and I'm not sure I follow the reference. So Wayne, if you want to clarify, are you asking us to consider um, Jungian archetypes in our, in our time with with colleagues. Um, while Wayne is considering that, I'd like to thank everybody for joining in this morning. It's been lovely to see you all. Um, thank you, Bryony, David, Emma, Gaynor. Lovely to see you, Gaynor. John Purvis, Michael, Richard, Roberto. Love to see you, Roberto. Simona, nice to see you. And thank you, Wayne, for your contributions and comments. Oh, there's some more questions here. Gaynor is saying, hybrid will come with many challenges. Public transport is a key one. It be important not to make people feel excluded. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think that's why you have to think less about the office and more about place as a, as a concept for people to come together. I personally feel people need to be more flexible, more variable about this and just embrace it. I mean, why not? It's fine, isn't it? Just embrace it and don't get too hung up on the office for a place where people can come together. Um, oh, um, Wayne qualifies. He would ask, "What is the person avoiding?" I guess there's a there's a uh, I'm going to use some uh, psychotherapy jargon and say they might go on a a, a TDS, a trans derivational search over their inner self to work out what the fear behind the fear is. And we're searching for the meta fear in the person. I think that's a great point and uh, very valid. Uh, David Gill says, what an interesting discussion. Thanks, Nick, Rosanna and Matt. Well, David, you always contribute brilliantly to it. And it's lovely to have you on. I really appreciate your comments, so thank you. Gaina says, thanks for a great session. I think we should wrap up there. It's been uh, lovely to see you all this morning. We've all really enjoyed doing these sessions. Don't forget to check into our YouTube channel. You can review all of the ones we've done. Um, and if they're helpful, you know, share them with your management and leadership comments for any tips that you want. They're free resource from us to help management and leadership. So please feel free to dig in and use them. That's what they're there for. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time for Matt Meyer and thinking about whether strategy can be just too rigid sometimes and doesn't give us the flexibility to be who we are. I guess that's what he's saying, question mark. Bye all. Bye everybody. Cheers. Bye bye.